thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. So we're looking at the book of Isaiah. It's quite a complex book. We haven't got enough weeks in the year to go through every chapter and every verse. There's loads and loads to look at in there. So we jumped last week from chapter 6 to chapter 40. Um, chapters 1 to 39 are full of warnings from God, a bit like a father saying, guys, if you don't stop this, then the, the consequences are not going to be good. And actually, we saw last week that pivot point where God's grace starts to show through. And the, the, the series has been themed, hope, uncertain hope and unshakable promise, because actually God gives us hope. And there is a promise that his promises are true. His promises are yes and amen. And actually, we don't just believe that blindly. There is evidence and certain evidence in our past and the past before us of what God has done. I want us to think about the word today that is through. Through. You know, you got through the keyhole, you know, going through the pandemic, you know, going through these different things. And I want to share a story that I have shared before, but that won't surprise you because I've often used similar stories again. But I've not always liked theme parks. If you like, give us a show of hands if you like theme parks. Okay, Tim Balaam, that surprises me. I don't know why, but I shouldn't be surprised because you like fast cars, don't you? Theme parks. I, I, I wasn't always a fan of theme parks. Uh, at the age of about 12, my dad and my mum, we, we went to America and they took us, my dad took me and my brother for the day to Six Flags Magic Mountain which was in the middle of the, the California desert. So every ride was designed to get you soaking wet through or the wind rushing past you so that you cooled down. And I spent most of the day watching because there was no way, there was no way I was getting on some of those roller coasters. Not a chance. When we went to Alton Towers, I used to go on the little toboggans. But at Six Flags Magic Mountain, there was no way I was going on. My dad and my brother had a great day. I spent most of it watching. And it got to the evening and it was getting dark. And my dad said, Johnny, come on this. You know, you've been here all day. You've been on a few rides. I'll take you on this. I've been on it. We've already been on it. You've seen us get on it. Come on it with me. And so I thought, well, it's my dad. Trust my dad. I'm going to go on. This ride happened to be called the Colossus. Now, there's a name, isn't there, to strike fear in. The Colossus. It was called the Colossus because it was the world's biggest wooden roller coaster. It had two hills and drops that were slightly smaller than the big one at Blackpool. It was massive. It went all the way around the whole theme park. That's how big it was. And it was on a wooden track, which means it was a bit rickety. And I got on, queued up for this roller coaster. What a way to start your first ever roller coaster, eh? But I went on it because my dad said, come on it with me. I'm with you. Come on it with me. So I stood and I watched, and then eventually it was my turn. I sat next to my dad, got in the carriage, fastened the barrier or the seatbelt, and then you hear this 
As it went up the hill, all the way to the top. Why did I go on this? Why? All these questions. Why did I go? Well, because I trusted my dad. And the evidence was my dad wouldn't let me down. The evidence had been there for the 12 years previous that my dad would be, if it was okay with my dad, it would be okay for me. And I went on this ride. We got to the top of the hill and the ride stopped. Stopped. I looked at my dad. He reached his hand out. I put his hand on my knee and said, it's okay. And I just went, I don't want to get off. I don't quite know why I wanted to get off about 100 feet in the air or however, however tall it was, but I wasn't going anywhere. We were sat at the top of this hill going nowhere. And I just wanted to get it over with. I just wanted to get through this ride and then I could say, I've done it never again. But I sat there terrified. My dad held my hand. My dad, you know, I had tears streaming down my face. I can remember it. It was terrifying. I was shaking. I was looking over the side at the drop and I was thinking, no, I need to get off. I was stuck in my worst nightmare. My heart was beating out of my chest. But I got through it. Why? Because my dad was with me. And what he did, what he said, helped me and comforted me. And actually, just him being next to me made all the difference. If he wasn't there with me, I wouldn't have even got on the ride. But my dad helped me to get through it. Now, that is a simplistic little story. <laughs> but it's a real echo of God with us. He will help us to get through. He doesn't necessarily take us off the ride. He doesn't necessarily make the ride lower. But he will help us get through. I'm going to read some, some verses from Isaiah chapter 43. We're going to look mainly at verses 1 to 13. If you've got your Bible, open it, read it. If you haven't, read it this week. The verses will come up on the screen. So Isaiah 14, sorry, 43, verses 1 to 13, and I will be stopping at little points, okay? Isaiah 43, verses 1 to 13 starts with, But now, this is what the Lord says. I'm going to stop. But now, this is what the Lord says. There's a change of tack. The previous chapter talked of God's anger because his people had continually ignored him, continually said, I'm not listening to you. I will do whatever I want to do, thank you very much. I don't care what you think. And God, God's anger is described. And his people who kept ignoring the wardians of trouble coming, suddenly the trouble comes. But now we see a change. The people are in a position of being defeated. Do you feel defeated today? Do you feel that you have been beaten? The people are in a position of defeat. They're in a position of being separated. A bit like in this room today, separated. A bit of a situation that's difficult. They are distraught. They are seemingly hopeless. Stuck under enemy rule. But, dot, 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 dot. But, he who created you, Jacob... He who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Wow. We've just sung that, haven't we? Really? I have summoned you by name. You are mine. God says that to you today. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are mine. Come to me. Names are really important. 
I've already asked someone this morning what their name was and what it meant. And Ibuken means blessing. Is that right? Yeah? My name means gift of, gift of God, which is great, isn't it? <laughs> okay? I think there's a few names that mean that. But in that culture, your name was thought to decide your character. Your name was going to be who you were going to become. Names were really important. We've lost a bit of that in the UK, but I know it's still important in many other cultures. And actually, through the Bible, God changes names. God changes names. He changes them so that they've got an even better purpose. You know, Abram becomes Abraham. Sarai becomes Sarah. Jacob became Israel. God changes the name for something even better, a promise that was better. But what you were called was vitally important. And what does God say now after this anger, after this moment of trouble? Do not fear. Hear this this morning. Do not fear. Why? For I have redeemed you. That means he's bought you back. He's paid a price for you. I have called you by name. You are mine. God has called you by name. The God who created the universe cares about you. My dad on the roller coaster comforted me with his words, comforted me by his actions, comforted me by the very fact he was there, but it was still a moment I didn't really want to be in. But if I'd have been on my own, it would have been far worse, wouldn't it? If I'd have been all alone, then I probably wouldn't have even started the journey in the first place. And it probably would have stopped me from going on roller coasters ever again. <laughs> but my dad's actions helped. What he did helped me. Do not be afraid. Why? Because God is a God who does comfort. God is a God who does act. God is a God who wants to be involved in your life and mine. But you've got to let him. You can close your ears to him and you can stick your fingers in your ears and go, la, 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 I don't want to hear it. You can have preconceived ideas of what other people have said. But God wants you to know you are his. Despite the anger of the previous chapter, God says, do not fear. Why? Because he is redeemed. He is called. We are his. Don't see the anger. See the adoption. We have been adopted into his family. We've sung it. I didn't know what songs Thea was going to choose this morning until yesterday. And actually... It talks about we're his family, no longer a slave. We are a child of God. You've been adopted. He has chosen you into his family. You know, dads do get cross, don't they? Joel, don't they? Sometimes. Very rarely in my case, obviously. But you know, when dads get cross, it's because they love, mostly. It's because they love. It's because they care. It's because they want the best. It's not vindictive. It's not a, 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 an out-of-control anger in, most, in a good dad's case. It's not for fun that they get angry, but it's usually to try and get a message across that's important. Do not be afraid. Verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. In some, in some versions, it says they will not consume you. You will not be consumed by the flames. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I give Egypt for your ransom, Cush and Seba in your stead. 
And here, the word through becomes key. Corrie ten Boom made this quote. Those of you who know, Corrie ten Boom was a, a Dutch lady whose family sheltered Jews in the war and ended up in uh, concentration camps. She saw her sister killed in front of her very eyes by a vindictive, malicious guard. Yet Corrie ten Boom said this, after those experiences, when a train goes through a tunnel and it gets dark, you don't throw away your ticket and jump off the train. You trust the driver and the engineer. When a train goes through a tunnel, you don't just give up and jump off. You trust the one that's in control. She should know. She saw her whole family arrested. She saw her sister killed. She was beaten. She was treated horrendously. And even after that experience, was talking in a church and saw the guard who killed her sister walk forward to receive forgiveness. And in her heart felt a little bit of... <laughs> but she knew that she could trust the engineer. She could trust her dad. God the Father, she could trust him. No matter how dark the journey got, she could trust him. In this passage and all the way through the Bible, the word through is mentioned nearly 800 times. You can perhaps bring to mind some of the passages you know. And here it is. You're going to go through the waters. That's the Red Sea. The, the reminder to the Israelites that God has brought them through before. The children of Israel, that Red Sea moment that people have shared on our house group this week, where they were faced with the sea in front of them, the army behind them, and God parts the waters, and they walked through the sea. That wasn't simple. Either side of them was raging water going on. There might have even been some alligators poking their nose out. Who knows? But they had to go through it to get to the other side. It would, would have been easier for God to just give them a boat, surely. They could float above the surface. Or maybe a bridge. That would be nice, wouldn't it? God, plant a bridge and we can just walk over it and you can get rid of it when we finish. That would be better, wouldn't it? Surely. But no, they had to go through the raging waters. So God says, do not fear. Though you go through the waters, I'm with you. you won't, they won't overwhelm you. It was still a worry that they went through it. It reminded me as I'm reading this of that children's book, we're going on a bear hunt. Because <laughs> you have to go through everything in that book, don't you? Yeah, I think I'm right. You're a nursery teacher, Kerry, aren't you? Yeah, you have to go through it. We're going on a bear hunt. have to catch a big one. I'm not scared. <laughs> but then there's deep, squelchy mud and dark caves and long, tall, wavy grass. Can't go around it, can't go over it, can't go under it. We have to go through it. And that's a fun book, isn't it? It's not much fun if you're the one going on the hunt. <laughs> and that's what the Bible tells us, that life will not be easy. The Bible doesn't promise a life of roses and everything great. But it does promise a father that's with us, that's comforting, that's speaking, that by his actions, we know we'll get to the other side. They're going to go through waters. They're going to go through rivers. The children of Israel in the past had to cross a river, Jordan, to get to the promised land. The river Jordan at this time was at its peak. It was probably swelling. And God said, just step into it. <laughs> and as they stepped into it, it says the waters piled up and they were able to cross to get to where God said. They had to go through the river. The river the river that was wild. They'd seen this in their past. God says, step in, it won't sweep over you. You have to go through fire. They will be aware in the exile. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get thrown into a fire. 
and say, even if God doesn't rescue us, I'm not going to bow down to the other stuff. Even if God doesn't save us, I am not prepared to throw my faith away. I will trust him. I will trust him. Go through the fire. The exiles will have seen buildings destroyed and burned down. But God says this, you won't be consumed. It's not going to be the end. It's not going to all be over. I'm going to take you through it. God's promise is through. Not above, not round, not under. It's through. And his promise is by his actions. Why, God? Do not be afraid. Because of his actions and because of his presence. But we do need to have him on the ride with us and we need to give him permission to act. That's why even Jesus said, your will be done. It's about what he wants. He wants will be the best for us. Verse 4. Since you are precious and honoured in my sight, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. Just rewind a minute. God's been angry. There's been this anger of God, and yet this verse confirms yet again God's thoughts and feelings towards his people and towards you who really aren't his people at the moment, towards you who are ignoring his call. It says this, his anger does not mean it's not love. It's precisely because he loves, because it says, you are precious and honoured in my sight. Do you know, God says, you are precious. He knows because he gave his son for you. You are so precious that he gave the, the most he had for your life. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, he is willing to do that. So do not be afraid because of what he does. And do not be afraid because of his presence. It says, verse 5, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Not just what I do, I'm with you. I'm a close God. I'm not a God who's distant. I'm not a God who sits far away just watching what's going on. I am a God that is with you through the situation. You know, my dad on the ride was sat right next to me. He was in it for the duration. No matter what happened, my dad was there. It's the same in life. God, no matter what happens, is there. Doesn't stop me feeling scared and crying when that roller coaster stopped. It didn't stop me having a panic and, and a bit of a, I, I want to get off. But my dad was still there. He comforted me. He helped me. He supported me. Presence is everything, isn't it? Yeah? I read a, a book this week that talked about... Um, a guy who's fostered and adopted many, many children. And he said, we've got to realize that giving them stuff isn't really what they want. The best thing I can give is my attention, my time, me. The best thing we can give is our attention, our time, and me. You know, God's presence is everything. It isn't in a room. It's not in a building. It isn't in an experience. It's in us if we accept him. It is all around us. It's in relationship the last couple of months, I believe, have been the hardest of the whole pandemic. Anyone agree? Yeah? I believe because we're neither this nor that, we're stuck in a bit of a middle ground. We're in a little bit of a wilderness time. The last couple of weeks, I've really felt God lay two things on my heart. And I'm going to share them because I believe it fits here. Because this is a bit of a wilderness moment. And whatever you're going through, I believe this is a little bit of a wilderness moment for all of us. Because we're neither in the past or in the future. We're sort of stuck. 
until the government changed this rule, we feel like we're wandering around. The phrase treading water has come to mind quite a lot. But the wilderness came just before the promise. Yeah? The wilderness came just before the promise. The wilderness was before the start of three years of ministry for Jesus. Jesus went into the wilderness after he was baptized with the presence of the Spirit. He went into the wilderness. And then three years of incredible ministry, incredible miracles, incredible life-changing work. But the wilderness had to be gone through even for Jesus so that he could strengthen, so that he could prove, so that he could prepare and launch this ministry. The bit we don't like about the wilderness is that it also perhaps prunes us a little bit. It perhaps sometimes cuts off some of the bits that's dead. Maybe it rubs off some of the edges we've got. Maybe it's a time of sifting where God is saying, was church just a social club? (laughs) Or was church about me? Was church just about being together in a room singing nice songs? Or was it a day-to-day life with God on the roller coaster? Which was it? What a difference the Israelites in the wilderness, where they moaned, whinged, and complained to Jesus in the wilderness. What a difference. The same wilderness, just two different attitudes and perspectives. Both of them had the presence of God. The Israelites visibly with, with different things going on. They both had provision. But the Israelites were dissatisfied. I wish we could go back to Egypt. If only we'd have just stayed where we were. If only we hadn't been brought this way. If only we could go back to that. That was the Israelites' attitude in the wilderness. Maybe that's us today. Jesus simply speaks God's truth through the whole ordeal. As Jesus is in the wilderness, he just constantly proclaims God. He constantly recognizes that he can trust his dad. Constantly. He was also physically alone. Jesus was on his own. At least the Israelites had each other. There were thousands of them. Jesus was on his own. Yet what a difference. One side saw the provision, saw the presence, but wanted to go back. The other persevered. Kept going. Do you know, this week I've read some magazine articles and my own experience seems to show that it's the established Christians at this time that have had these attitudes of dissatisfaction. It's those that have known Jesus and been part of church for a while that have actually had these attitudes more than anybody else. And I believe we need to call the church back to a time of actually pressing forwards, looking into God, Maybe today you just want to go back to Egypt. Maybe you're watching at home and you just think, ah, I wish it was just like before. I wish this had never come. We perhaps all do. But we can't change what's happened. We can press in to the person of God. Maybe the provision of God isn't good enough. Maybe, maybe what God's done for you in the past just isn't coming to mind enough and you're just thinking, well, I'll jump off the roller coaster now. Thank you very much. I'll get off the train. Or maybe the presence of God isn't what you're after compared to the presence of others. Maybe you're hit by doubts. It's okay. It's okay to doubt. You know, Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 to 5, say this. When John, that's John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come, 
or should we expect somebody else? John the Baptist, who uh, Donna shared about last week, preparing the way, he's having doubts. He's in prison. He's on his own. He's very lonesome. He's in prison, and he's saying, Jesus, are you really who I said you were? Maybe that's your question this morning. Are you really who I've said you are? John the Baptist had doubts, but he takes them to Jesus. What's Jesus' response? Verse 4, Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Jesus doesn't suddenly go, I'd better go and visit John the Baptist, make sure he's okay. No, he says, John, you said this was going to happen. Freedom, freedom, freedom. I want to say to you, church, in this time, we've got people in this building who've never been to this church in normal times. <laughs> we've got people who are coming to our, our centers who are searching, who are finding a savior who changes their life. So just like Jesus said to John, just go back and say, the blind see, the lame walk, the poor are being, hearing the good news of Jesus. That's my message to you today. God hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. The blind are having their eyes opened. So don't let this be a time of wandering in a wilderness of dissatisfaction because God is a God who satisfies God is a God who will if we draw near. Instead, let it be a time of reliance and seeking the presence of God. Because it's all about, do not fear, because I am with you. I am with you. It would be great if you weren't wearing masks to be shouting some hallelujahs, but we can't do that. I can't encourage it. God says, I am with you through. I am with you through. I better get a move on. I spoke too long talking about the roller coaster. Anyway, I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up, and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made, lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. All the nations gather together and the peoples assemble Which of their gods foretold and proclaimed to us these things? Let them bring in their witnesses to prove they were right, so that others may hear and say, it's true. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord. And my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me, there is no saviour. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed. I am not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from ancient days, I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I act, no one can reverse it. Just think on those. I'm going to encourage you to go away and read that. But we finish today with words of hope. Because hope is vital, isn't it? Yeah? Hope is vital. I am with you. It started with I am, I am, I am. It finishes with you are, you are. You are my witnesses. What are we witnesses to? What God has already done before. 
That's the Israelites' witness. They were witness to what God had already done for them, that he'd parted the sea, that he'd held back the rivers, that he'd, he'd stopped the fire from hurting. You are my witnesses. You've seen me work through it before, so don't jump off the train. Don't be afraid. Hope is here. God is good. What he does cannot be overturned. These are all amazing things, aren't they? What is the evidence for carrying on? The many, many things that they have experienced through the intervention of God before. It's the same for us. Why do I keep going when things are a bit hard? Because I've seen God take me through them before. I know God is with me. And I know his actions help me. I wouldn't want to be on my own. I wouldn't want to be on my own. I've got to finish with a thing I saw shared actually on Facebook, but there's a little bit more to it. And that is, a, there was a, psycho, a psychologist who did some experiments on rats. They weren't very pleasant experiments on rats. But domesticated rats apparently lived longer than wild rats. Uh, they would put, this man would put rats in buckets of water. I didn't say he was a nice, nice scientist. He put rats in buckets of water and the domesticated rats lasted longer than the wild rats. The wild rats would sink very quickly to the bottom and they would drown. The domesticated rats could tread water for a lot longer. So he decided to take it a step further. And he got the wild rats, and he put the wild rats in a bucket of water and watched them. And for 15 minutes, they would tread water, swim and stay above the surface. But after 15 minutes, they would sink to the bottom and start to drown. And at just the point where they started to drown, he pulled them out of the water, gave them a rub, dried them off, probably whispered some sweet nothings to them to show he wasn't that cruel, maybe not. And then he put them back in the water. How long do you think they lasted next time? Any guesses? Hey, see, somebody read the article there, there we go. They actually lasted, some of them, for 60 hours. 60 hours. Why? Because they'd experienced salvation before. Because they'd experienced hope. And so they didn't give up because they thought if it's happened before, it can happen again. If it's been done before, that's why the domesticated rats lived longer when they did it in the first place, because they knew there was somebody there who cared for them. They knew there was somebody there who looked after them. Yet the ones who were in the wild who didn't know that gave up. That is the difference between having God in our lives and not, because God brings hope. And with hope, we can keep going. What does perseverance bring? Faith. Maybe right now you feel like one of those rats. Maybe right now you feel like you're on the verge of drowning. Well, do you know, God has come through before. He will take you through it. There are people in this room who could testify how this year, the last two, three years, have been harder than any other in their lives. But I know they would also testify to the fact that God has got them through it. I could ask for a show of hands, I'm not going to. But I know that there are people in this place who would not have got to where they are today without the love and the hope that God brings. That is what Isaiah is bringing here to the people. He's saying, don't be afraid. Why? Because God has called and redeemed you. Because God is with you. And because in the past, he's got you through the water. He's got you through the river. He's got you through the fire. And the promise is about to come. The promise comes after the wilderness. Always. 
The wilderness is preparation. So what are you going through right now? Where is your hope? Are we more concerned about the waters at the side of us that are raging than the person who's going to take us through to the other side? Are we worried about the flames that are licking higher, the rivers that could burst at any moment? Or are we able to go through it with Abba Father by our side, knowing that he's going through it with us? And I finish with a verse from the end of this chapter. It's a verse that's really special to us as church and to me personally. At the end of Isaiah, there's even more hope. It says this. Verse 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. It might not be what you've seen before. It might not be what we've experienced, but God is doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness, through the wilderness, a place where we can plant our feet, where there is hope. The animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen. The people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. He's providing a way. He's not taking them out of the wilderness. He's providing a way through. But we need to have him on the ride with us. Let's not waste time with what was or could be. The wilderness may just be preparing us for a new thing, a new ministry, a new role, to be witnesses to the glory of God. But instead of looking at what was or could be, let's look at what is going to be. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because we are precious in his sight. You are precious in his sight. We are ransomed and redeemed. And the promise is we can be restored. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word and I thank you for the fact that hope is here. There is hope in the promise of the cross. There is hope because Jesus has made a way through, through sin to connect us back to God, has made a way through so that we can be close to him. Father, this morning in this place, I pray that people will know the grace of God. Maybe they're going through a wilderness time. Maybe people at home are going through a wilderness time. I pray, Lord, that their choice will be to depend on you, to seek you, to keep looking forwards and not looking back. Father God, I pray that we will know Jesus as Savior, the one who has proved time and time again that lives are changed, restored, and the past is dealt with and forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen.